Spirit for the reading of our gospel lesson this morning. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For far from, from you shall come a ruler who is a shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I may go and also pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. They saw the star had stopped. They were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I've been blessed in my life to have lived in a different parts of the state and, and make a, a, a variety of all kinds of, of different friends. I've had some really neat friends throughout my, my life and through my ministry. I've had friends that have played in professional football and some professional baseball players. I've had some friends that have been politicians and uh, all, lawyers and all kinds all kind of different uh, people that I've been blessed with. But one of, one of the, the neatest people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing was a friend of mine that uh, has passed away now. He was a Methodist pastor by the name of Jerry Sally. Uh, Jerry and I went to seminary together. And uh, Jerry, um, he was a, as neat uh, a fella as I've ever known. He had just, just hair that was just, and this was very important. His hair was very important. He had like both a mullet and like bangs and just in a beard and just looked phenomenal. I just, I, I had hair envy. I was very jealous of what he could do with his hair. He was, he, he, he marched the beat of his own drum. He was his own guy. He just, he was himself. He, um, uh, Jerry um, died, died of lung cancer. He was a smoker, died of lung cancer, but it wasn't lung cancer caused by the smoking. He, he died, uh, his cancer was of the, the lining of the lung, the sac around the lung. So it was totally unrelated to his smoking. And so I'd go visit him in his last days and I'd see him, he'd, he'd have his oxygen on. Well, I'd, we, I'd be there with him. He'd take his oxygen off, smoke a cigarette and then put the oxygen back on. I'm like, dude, he's like, Andy, I've never met a single doctor that told me quitting will add one day to my life. I like to smoke. I'm going to smoke. I'm like, okay, dude, just don't mix the fire with the oxygen. Those two things don't work well together. But Jerry was a neat guy. He, um, his career, this is where the hair comes into play. He was a professional Mark Twain impersonator. He, he, he lived on these steamboats that would go up and down the Mississippi and he had a, a one-man Mark Twain show. He could do, very talented, could do both Mark Twain and Louis Grizzard. And kids, if you don't know who Louis Grizzard is, ask your parents. He was amazing. 
So Jerry could do both Mark Twain and Louis Grizzard. And so he was, he was going up and down the Mississippi, doing his Mark Twain thing all over the, the Mississippi. And he said, Andy, the, he, was a, he was a Christian, was a believer, was a member of St. Paul, United Methodist Church in Clarksdale. He said, Andy, I was going up and down doing my show. And I heard the Lord, as clear as day, say, get thee to seminary. So he, he walked away from his Mark Twain gig and enrolled in seminary at Memphis Theological Seminary, where I was in seminary at. And we took a bunch of classes together and just, just became great friends, just a very dear friend. I, I miss him sometimes because he, he, was, he was his own guy. But I've always, I've always, I always think of the way he described his call story. He said, the Lord said, get thee to seminary. He had an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter that Jerry had with Jesus caused him to leave behind everything he had. Leave behind his career. Leave behind the way of life that he had been living on the boats. Leave that, all that behind. Because he had had this divine encounter with Jesus. And when he encountered Jesus in this way, he realized that all the stuff that he had, the way of life he'd been living and all the cool things he got to experience, when he encountered Jesus in this way, he realized that, that, that what does all that matter in relation to Jesus? We're starting a, a new sermon series today that we're going to be going through together for the next next few weeks up until Lent. We're calling it Ripples, the Jesus Effect. Because we're going to be looking each week at individuals and, and, and their encounters with Jesus. You know, every year as we kind of move into a, a new year in the life of the church, I always pray about, Lord, what, what, what do you want me to focus on this next year? Where, where do you want the direction of the church to be? Where, where do we need to be putting our energy and putting, putting our focus? And last year, I really felt called to kind of lead us to really kind of dig into the Bible. So we started our Rooted in Christ Bible study that hopefully many of you have gone through. Uh, over the course of last year, we read parts of every book of the Bible. Like if you, if you read along with us over the course of last year, you read literally part of each of scripture and we're going to, and we're going to continue in our rooted in Christ study. If you're not part of it, now's a great time to join back in over this year. We're going to be looking at, we're going to be moving a little bit slower this year. Last year we did a lot this year. We're going to take our time. We're going to spend the next few weeks in Luke going section by section. Then we're going to go to Acts. Then we're going to go to Romans. We're going to look at James. We're going to take our time this year. We're not going to go as fast. We're going to go slower and really meditate and pray upon God's word. So that's that, this year, last year we, we really focused on scripture, but this year, this year, so I began to think, Lord, what do you want us to focus on? Where, where do we need to be going? What do we need to be focusing on? And, and I felt him kind of lay something on my heart that you're going to laugh at because it's kind of funny for me to say this out loud. But we need to focus on Jesus. And we're like, well, duh, we're the church. That's what we do. We focus on Jesus. Yeah, sort of. We also focus a lot on programming and activities and busyness and giving and things that are great. They're not bad. But they're not Jesus. John 3.16 does not say, for God so loved the world, that he sent a weekly schedule. 
It said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're not saved by our busyness. We're not saved by our church programming. We're not saved by our worship. We're not saved by how big we are, how small we are. We're not saved by our giving. We're not even saved by our morality. We're saved by Jesus. No one comes to the Father but through the Son. That's it. It's all about Jesus. And it's so easy to make our faith, to make our life, to make everything about things other than Jesus. Not out of, not out of bad, not bad, not because we're bad or wrong, but it's easy to focus on the stuff instead of the reason why we do the stuff. And the stuff is always, 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 always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. If it's not about Jesus, then it's for vain. If it's not about Jesus, then we're just spinning our wheels. If it's not about Jesus, then we're just being religious. And there's nothing wrong with being religious. I religiously drink coffee every morning because coffee's amazing. And if I don't drink coffee, I can't serve Jesus. One year, I gave up coffee for Lent. And by Friday, me and the Lord had a conversation. I said, Lord, you know I love you, but without coffee, I'm no good to you or for you. So we're going to reset. Okay? So religious habits are good, but they do not save us. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus is life. We so often put the cart in front of the horse. Well, this year... I want to make sure the horse is driving the parade. I want it to be about Jesus above anything else because only he is life. Because what happens when you meet Jesus is it changes everything. It cha- religion, doesn't, religion doesn't change stuff. You can, you, can, you, you can be as religious as anything and not know Jesus. It's not about that. It's about knowing Jesus. Because when you encounter Jesus, it changes everything about you. Changes things. Like look at the wise men today. Man, y'all, they had it easy. They were, (coughs) we think most likely the wise men were from Persia. They were probably Zoroastrian priests. That was a religion that was in Persia. Studied the stars. Um, and, and they would have been familiar with the Jewish people because if you go back in your Bible, Cyrus was a Persian king who freed the Jews from the Babylonian exile. So the Persians would have been familiar with this Old Testament. They would have been familiar with the Jewish people. They would have been familiar with their, with their scriptures. They, like they would have known about these type things. They would have been aware of these type things. They would have also studied the stars. So they would have, they would have made that connection between the star and the savior. They would have, they would have made that. And that, okay, that's cool. But then they decided to go from Persia to Bethlehem. Okay, on camels with no interstate and no Starbucks every five exits and no bathrooms. I went to Disney and almost lost my mind on the interstate. Okay, they didn't have that. They didn't have, they had, they had something worse than Gina's MapQuest book. Okay, they had a star they had to follow. 
That was not easy. Leaving behind all they left behind to meet the Savior was not easy. It wasn't. But it was worth it. Because he was life. As John says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all the world. And he alone is life. He alone is worthy. And he alone changes things. So that's what we mean by ripples. Jesus changes things. If you grew up out in the country like I did, you might have spent your time some point skipping rocks. You ever skipped a rock on a pond or a lake, you saw the ripples. You'd skip it and it would and ripple out. And those ripples have a way of going beyond where the initial contact takes place. Because that's what meeting Jesus does. Meeting Jesus changes you. Now, it doesn't make everything perfect. It doesn't mean you don't face temptation. It doesn't mean you don't mess up. It doesn't mean you don't fail. It doesn't mean you're perfect. I'm not saying all that. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about meeting Jesus. But when you meet Jesus, it changes you. And then when you're changed by the grace of Jesus Christ, you change others by the grace of Jesus Christ. The world, Madison, Jackson, Mississippi, the church. We don't need more religious people. We need more people who love Jesus and are in love with Jesus. Because when you love Jesus and are in love with Jesus, it changes your world in ways you can't even fathom. And in this time, that's what the world needs from the church. That's what the world needs from us. And frankly, that's what we need is to love Jesus. Because only Jesus changes a life. And only Jesus restores a family. And only Jesus gives life. And only Jesus, when you stand beside the grave of someone who you've lost and your heart is broken, only Jesus gives us hope for resurrection. Because where, O oh, death, is your victory and where, O oh, grave, is your sting, those things are defeated by Jesus. The victory has been won. Life has been given. Hope has come. Resurrection is here because of Jesus. It always, 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 always comes to Jesus. And my great prayer for you as a person, for you as a family, and for us as a church is that we passionately love Jesus above all else. And as Jesus changes our hearts, he will change the hearts of the world. In just a moment, we're going to conclude our service with communion. One of the interesting things in the life of the Methodist Church, I've been, I've been blessed to, to work with Nicolette and the others with confirmation, and I taught confirmation a few weeks back about communion. And one of the United Methodist and Wesleyan distinctives about communion is our view of open communion. You want to make an old school Methodist fight with you, don't serve them communion. They will punch you in the face in Jesus' name. We believe in the open table. And you go back and read Wesley's journals, you know what you'll find? The Wesley often would call communion what he called a converting ordinance. 
Wesley tells examples in his journals of individuals who had come to the table for communion and in that moment realized their great need for Christ and accept Christ as Lord in that moment. So my prayer for you this morning as you come to the table is you realize your great need for Jesus and my great need for Jesus and realizing that in this time when we need our Savior the most, our Savior stands there ready to meet us. You are loved. More than anything in all of creation, you are the apple of his eye. You're the height and the pinnacle of creation. Christ Jesus died for you and for no one else. You are loved. So my prayer that in this moment, you understand just how much you're loved. You understand how much Christ has given you. And then we realize that our life, our life is bound up in this purpose. And that purpose is Jesus Christ. It's my prayer today that we as a church and we as individuals know just how much the Lord loves us through Jesus. And that we fall more and more and more in love with him each day. So that the world can come to know him as Savior. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for the love that we find in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the purpose and the hope we find in Jesus Christ. We love you so very much. We ask this in his sweet and holy name. Amen. I invite you to join me on page 12 in the front of your hymnal for our service of Holy Communion. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.